Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for tuning in. And if you're a regular listener, uh, we have launched the Cool Things Project, which is the group coaching program for people who are looking for a little bit of inspiration and accountability and ideas in being a solopreneur or a small business entrepreneur or someone who works inside their company and, and just wants to have a little bit more of that entrepreneurial spirit, which actually that idea of being inside the company and having that entrepreneurial spirit is what today's episode is about. In fact, one of the biggest comments I get from listeners is the, the portion of the audience that is made up of people who have jobs who aren't necessarily looking to jump ship but really want to you know, behave more in that entrepreneurial way while in a job. That section of the audience is growing, and, and I make reference to that all the time, but I just got an email recently from somebody who says, you know, you tend to talk to a lot of solopreneurs and entrepreneurs. You don't have a lot of people on who work inside companies, so I actually decided that that's what we were going to do today, and I actually have a great guest. I met John Jarrett last year when I was the master of ceremonies for a five-day event called PLM World. And PLM World is an independent, not-for-profit organization with the miss mission of being the voice of the user in providing an open forum for the exchange of ideas within the Siemens product lifecycle management, which is PLM, software product environment. And so these are users of that product who come together to make sure that they're maximizing how they use it. And it is a large conference, I think 1,800 or 2,000 people. And they actually have a board of advisors made up of people who are working for companies that are using this product. And John is one of the people who is on that board. And he was sort of in charge of the conference last year, kind of, you know, making sure things were running. So I got to work really closely with him. And I thought, you know, he has really built a great career inside the company he works for. So he is a senior manager a senior manager with ATK, and I'm going to let him tell you what he does and who he is. So John Jarrett, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. So why don't you tell everybody sort of who you are and, and what you do for a living? All right. So I'm John Jarrett. I'm the director of engineering technology and systems out at uh, Orbital ATK. So Orbital ATK is comprised really of three groups, a defense systems group, a space systems group, which does a lot of satellites and, and satellite components, and then flight systems group, which is the group that I work in, which really um, we do a lot of uh, launch systems and rocket motors. So we're all about putting people up into space, exploring places that we've never been before, and enabling the technologies that we enjoy today. Well, that sounds like it's a cool job. Yeah, way cool, way <laughs> cool. There's not many that get to work uh, with rocket motors and, and, and have the fun of, of putting people up into space and exploring things that we've never explored before. So when most of us say when we talk about our job, hey, it's not rocket science, in your case, it actually is rocket science. You know, and I love to say that it, it actually is rocket science. <laughs> so you've had a really successful career. How did you kind of get from where you started to where you are today? You know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, came out of school um, as an engineer, 
and went into the design engineering field and, and, and went down that route for a while. Loved it. You know, loved my association with the, the, the other design engineers um, that I worked with and, and had a lot of great mentors along the way. Um, then I went into program management, and program management was was fun for different reasons. I actually got to do uh, a program for the Japanese, so we worked very closely on designing a rocket motor, uh, at least the casing of the rocket motor that was used for a Japanese program. And then I've been in other um, had other opportunities to work some project management, um, some some implementations of systems as well as look at processes. And now that just kind of led me into this job, which is very exciting today because I'm all about shaping our new business and seeing what we can do looking forward to being even more efficient um, from a rocket motor manufacturing perspective. So you mentioned having mentors along the way. So how important is it for someone maybe who's younger, who's starting out, who, as I said in the intro, doesn't necessarily want to go start their own company. They want to, they want to grow up inside an industry. How important are mentors? <laughs> Absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. Um, you know, today I'm a mentor. Why? Because I've kind of learned the, the ropes of things over the past 30 years uh, being in the business. And so, you know, it, it's nice to be able to share that um, with others. Um, and, and when I was young, it was so nice to be able to learn from others because there were a lot of times where, where I struggled as an engineer. I didn't know whether I should go down this one route or another route. And, and, and having mentors, it, it made all the difference because they could put some perspective in my decisions. And, and they were right there to help me through thick and thin. And, and it would, to me... It was just invaluable. And, you know, I appreciate the opportunity today to actually be a mentor to others. So how was it, you know, coming up, how was it you found mentors? Um, you know, early on, I, I didn't have a mentor assigned to me. And so it was typically my leaders. It was somebody, a colleague that I trusted, um, that I respected. And so I would just work with them um, and really gain their respect as well as, you know, they for, for my respect, too. And it just seemed like things worked out kind of in a natural way. But I kind of had to reach out of my comfort zone because, you know, at times I didn't want to just have a mentor within an engineering discipline. I wanted to expand that out into manufacturing or quality I wanted to have somebody that I could rely on um, just outside of engineering to help kind of give me some advice and kind of help me through some of the, the tough times uh, throughout my career. Well, and I've had many, many mentors who've helped me in all facets of you know my somewhat eclectic career. And sometimes it was formal, sometimes it was informal. But you bring up something else that you just sort of passed over that I think is so important. As, as we get a little older, we get a little more seasoned and senior, we have to remember that you got to pay it back. And you mentioned that now you are a mentor. And I actually have two guys who are both 26 years old who have sort of adopted me as their sort of career mentors. And I not only get such pleasure in being that sort of more seasoned person who's helping them avoid some of the pitfalls, but I also continue to learn from them. So what are some of the things you've gotten from being a mentor? <laughs> Great question. I, I love it because 
whenever I, I have somebody come into my office and we talk about their career or whatever, I don't know what they're going to, to, to bring up. And a lot of times, you know, the things that we talk about are things that, that they come to me with from a different perspective. And so it may be things that I haven't thought of that, that I look at them and say, oh, my gosh, that's, that's a great idea. You know, let's put together a plan to, to see what we can do to implement a part of this. Um, and, you know, it may take a little while to implement, but, yeah, I had somebody come in and, and, and say, gosh, we struggle with, with getting all of the quality information off of a model or a drawing, and we have to hand input all of this information into a, like a Word document, and it, there's just a lot of duplicate information. And uh, so then we, we started thinking, we thought, well, I bet you we've got something automated that we could use. And over a period of about three to four months, we were able to put together an automated process that we didn't have to do manually, which we've been doing manually for ever since I've been here for 30 years. And now that process is automated. And you can just imagine the time of that saving the quality group from having to, to manually re-input things. And it all came about just from sort of a mentoring discussion? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I think is fascinating, too, is when I speak to audiences and I go into conferences like like PLM World, where this year I'll actually deliver one of the keynotes. And when, when I get the chance to do that and I talk about sort of your career and your network and your brand and, and, and what you have to do to grow that career, one of the things I always talk about is the importance that if you're, you know, younger, it's important to have a mentor. Go out and seek friends. If you're in your 20s or early 30s, go seek friends in their 50s or 60s. Because sometimes the younger generation, at least we think, they, they say, well, those people are older, they're obsolete. No, they're, they're a wealth of information. It's so important that you go find those you know seasoned people to help you. But I also tell people if you're in your 50s or 60s, it's just as important that you go out and find you know, some, some connections, some real friends in your business who are in their late twenties and, and early thirties, because those people will keep you abreast of what's new and what's going on and what the trends are. And then I say, if you're in the middle, if, you, if you're in your forties, like I am, you got to make friends on both sides. You've got to make a new friend every year who's older and a new friend who's younger. If you want to stay relevant. Absolutely. So what do you think about the importance of if you're going to have a career in an industry or in a company for 30 years, how important is it to think like an entrepreneur or at least to have that entrepreneurial spirit? <laughs> so the interesting thing is, is that I, my whole career has been about having that kind of a spirit that, that I'm not satisfied with where we're at today. I'm not satisfied with the way that we're doing things. I want to make improvements. There's always things that we can do to improve. And, and then I think the other thing is, is that I don't know everything. I have to reach out and, and, and get knowledge and information from those that have gone before me or, or other industries or what have you so that I can really put together a plan of attack to say, okay, this is, this is a change and this is what we're going to do to make this change. And so I think from my perspective, it's that complacency that's going to kill me. I, I hate, I just, I literally just can't feel like I, I come to work and be complacent and do the same thing day in and day out. I, change is just great. And, and along with change, 
I also have a little bit of a fear. It's like, okay, I, I, I want to do something new and, and it's something that may not have been done before. And so do I have that stamina to really take that new idea and see it come to fruition? So I think to have that fear, I think, is, is really good too. So again, change is great. Fear is great. Complacency is what's going to kill you. Look for those things that, that – that, that will create the new and the different. So what do you love about the career you've created and sort of having that entrepreneur spirit? So I think the things that, that I love is, number one, you know, I, I was able to do some way cool and exciting projects early on in my career. You know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, to, to work around the space environment, to work around, you know, back, back then it was a space uh, or it was um, the space shuttle, you know, it, it was exciting, it was new, it was different. Um, to me, that was, that was exciting. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I just have enjoyed kind of looking at different things along the way. And so as, as I was doing my design engineering experience and felt some excitement beyond that, I, I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be great to lead teams of people? And so, you know, that's when I got into project management. That's when I got into some program management. That's when I got in a, a manager state because I thought, gosh, if I could start influencing people for good and, and do that for multiple people, you know, wouldn't that be great? And so I think that that's kind of where my career has led me. You know, I started out as an engineer, but for the last uh, probably 15, 20 years, I've been more of a team leader and, and then into management and leadership of people that uh, I have responsibility for. So what advice do you have for people who want to grow in their career? Well, I think, you know, a little bit about what we talked about earlier. You know, change is really good. You know, look for, look for ways to improve things. Don't be stagnant. Don't, don't experience that complacency. Come into work and, and, and really find some joy and excitement about what you do. Um, and I think once you do that, then things will kind of work themselves out. You know, I, you know we talked about mentors um, early on. If you feel like you're getting stagnant, you know, it may be time for, for a change in, in not, not, not just, you know, to shift your career completely, but maybe go to another organization or another department. As I mentioned earlier, you know, having mentors outside of engineering has been good for me because I've gotten to know people in, in, in cross-organizational roles. And, and to me, that's been very, very helpful. So we talked about networking, but I mean, sorry, we talked about mentors, but how important is networking? <laughs> Absolutely critical. I don't know everything. In fact, you know, at times I think, gosh, I just don't know hardly anything. But, but when I surround myself with others, when I put myself in a network of folks, then it's, it's just interesting how the ideas start flowing. It's interesting how things can, can start to, to think that, you know, you maybe come into the discussion thinking A and, and you come out thinking B and C. You, you, you just have new ideas and new ways to, to think of things and new ways to approach things. And so just because of, of the business that, that I think that we're all in, we need to, to, to establish those good networking ties 
um, because that's all important about creating the new, creating the different, going beyond where you are today. And I think that's what life is, is really showing us that we need to do. Well, and speaking of networking, you've been really involved in the PLM World community. You serve on the board. You're involved in planning their annual event. And, you know, so why don't we switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about PLM World and why you've been involved for so long. And I'm excited. I've been invited back to be the master of ceremonies. And as I said earlier, I get to give one of the keynotes this year. I'm excited to be back because I got to spend five days with with your community of people at PLM World last year. And it was a really driven and interesting and interested group of attendees and partners and speakers and your board. But, you know, most of my audience doesn't know what PLM World is. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is and then why you're involved? Okay, sounds great. So, you know, it has been exciting for me to be part of PLM World. Uh, PLM World is an independent um, community that focuses on Siemens PLM software. And when you think about PLM or product lifecycle management, it's really marrying the process and technology together um, in in managing all the intellectual properties that you bring to the table for uh, new product design, for manufacturing, and, and through the end of life of the product. So really, when you think of it, uh, PLM really extends from product conception through the end of life of the product. And it's really, again, controlling and capturing all that information around that product. And so, you know, obviously it's important engineering, but not only engineering, but but cross-functional, cross-organizational, um, and extends through manufacturing. It extends through, you know, how do we uh, really utilize uh, PLM to, to help um, – service um, uh, the product uh, when it needs to be serviced. And so there's a lot of good stuff there uh, from a PLM perspective. What what I found, though, is early on in my career, I wanted to know more about PLM because I was given an assignment uh, to be the project leader on a, a migration of our old PLM system. And so we were going to migrate it to a new PLM system, and I could almost not hardly spell PLM. Um, and so I wanted to find out a little bit more about it. And so I, I looked at the avenues to, to try and find out about it, found out about uh, PLM World. And I looked at the, their organization, looked at the content that they had at the upcoming conference. And again, this was about 15 years ago. And they really didn't have a lot of content that I was looking for. And so I called up one of the leaders and expressed my disappointment that, you know, this was the kind of stuff that I wanted, you know, kind of explained to him what I was looking for. And I said, I just don't see enough content at the conference. And he said, you know what, you're right. But we don't have anybody to help lead us in that effort. And so I volunteered. And again, that was about 15 years ago. And 15 years later, I just love being involved in this community um, that, that kind of has that common purpose. It is, it's a user's organization. It's a manager's organization. But yet it is for those people, too. And so people can come and, and, and learn about how others are using the software, some of their best practices, exchanging ideas and, and information. 
Hey, I've got more questions, but first it's time that we thank the sponsor of this episode. This episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience. For an exclusive offer for the people listening to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, visit podfly.net slash cool things and see what they have for you if you want to start your own podcast. Now, let's get back to our questions. So after 15 years of of being involved and, and having volunteered, what are some of the benefits that you get from being involved? Absolutely enormous benefits. You know, one of my roles um, over the last five to six years is, you know, the the space industry, especially after the space shuttle uh, went bye bye. um, You know, we we as a company kind of struggled. We had to reinvent ourselves. And my organization really had that responsibility to do that. But we didn't know what we didn't know and so we had to go explore a little bit we had to 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 go see the likes of of uh, other industries and other companies and what they were doing and so what happened is that we took little bits and pieces from each company that we looked at and again these were people that we had really um, seen and communicated with and established some networking channels with at PLM World and, and and yet they were giving us ideas and over time, I think that we're giving them ideas, and now we're a much stronger company because of that networking that took place um, at PLM World and by our discussions uh, with with other companies and, and what they were doing. We would kind of seek out those that were doing best in class in in some area. We'd go research them. We'd go work with them and then bring some of those items back and incorporate them within uh, our company at Orbital ATK. So this is a big conference. I mean, it's nearly 2,000 people, and every morning and every afternoon you have sort of the big general sessions with with keynotes and, and information, and then in the middle of the day, people break out into sort of specific, you know, deep dive topic breakout sessions, and then, you know, there's a trade show that goes along with it. And I know that, you know, somewhere around half of the people who will be there this year, it'll be their first time at the conference. So if someone's listening to this and they're going to be going to PLM World for the first time, or really anyone who's listening to this who's going to be going to any conference for the first time, what advice do you have for them? Uh, I, you know, the, the best advice is, is to step out of that comfort zone. You know, find somebody that, that, that you'd love to, to network with. Again, a lot of the folks there, they're looking for the same thing. Um, but, but you just need to step out of the comfort zone, go introduce yourself. If you attend a session and you're interested in that topic, get, get that business card, follow up with that person later on and say, thank you so much for the presentation. I'd love to, to have a little bit more, uh, dialogue with you in in regards to this. And, and again, you know, that's going to take you a long ways, um, from a professional level, from a working level today, and, and it's just a win-win situation. Again, we've had several people come up and, and want to get engaged with us. Uh, they don't know a lot about PLM, but yet we were there before, and we're more than willing to share and to teach and to help. 
And yet along the way, you would think that we would not learn anything because we're giving much more than what we're getting, but we always get a lot more than what we expect to get out of those uh, relationships. And, and to me, it's exciting. And so I'd encourage people to reach out and to start networking with others. And, and don't let that networking stop at the conference. Continue to have that year round. Well, and you bring up an interesting point. If you go to a session and, and you like what you hear, go up and talk to, to the presenter is what I think I heard you say. So Absolutely. I, assu- I assume over the years you have presented at PLM World or similar type conferences. And, of course, being on the board, you know a lot of the people who've presented some of the breakout sessions. So how important do you think it is for people to actually come up afterwards? Because what I see a lot of times is people, they love the information they heard. And the speaker says, thank you very much. And they just sort of walk out the door. How important do you think it is for people who, who want to connect? I mean, are, are those who people who speak, are they hoping people will come up and talk to them? Do you think it's a win-win situation? No, I think, I think they are, Tom. I mean, when, when you think about it, you know, we, we presented a conference uh, really for a couple of reasons. Obviously, because it helps prepare us for that topic. You know, sometimes we aren't prepared to, uh, at the beginning of the year to really focus on that topic. By the time we get to the conference, we have to be prepared. So it kind of forces us into that. You have to be prepared. And, and, and really, the second reason is to network. Um, again, you know, myself included, we know that we don't know everything. But wouldn't it be great if somebody came up and said, you know, I loved your presentation, but, you know, this is something else that we have done on top of this. And, you know, to just start engaging in that dialogue to me is invaluable. And so I do think a lot of the presenters, um, they, they are looking for that, that the similar set of values um, um, and ideas and thoughts uh, that, that others have. And so that networking really is critical. Well, and the other thing is, is that I experienced last year, because I, I think I spoke last year at 63 different, different events, large and small, but a lot of those events have trade shows. And you guys have a very successful sort of vibrant trade show floor that goes on at PLM World. And I remember coming down the escalator to where it was. And usually, you know, I, by the time I finish up on stage, if I'm the MC and I have to do a little housekeeping for the next session, I get down there. You know, things are already well underway. I kind of went down expecting, you know, it to be like your typical trade show with a few people standing around, a lot of vendors standing by themselves. And as I came down that escalator, it was like, boom, there was like there was vibrancy going on. And so people were engaged with your partners and learning about what the partners had. Let's talk about how important it is when you attend a conference to go and talk to those partners and those vendors and what you get out of it. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, you know, the partners are a critical uh, resource. You know, Siemens admits it. You know, they don't provide everything to everyone. And that's why they they have the partners as part of uh, their solution package. I mean, you know, the, the partners are absolutely critical. And, and, you know, I could tell you a dozen stories at least of the partners that we have engaged, been engaged with because of PLM World that have helped us improve the way that we use the product and helped us with our processes. You know, I talked about uh, my mentor uh, and the mentoree that came in and questioned me about how we were going to automate a process guess what? It wasn't me that fixed it. We reached out to one of our partners who we met at PLM World, and he said, oh my gosh, we have a solution that, that's out of the box, and you're able to utilize it. 
And, you know, that was, that was a direct answer uh, to that question that he brought up. But it was a result of a partner that, that we knew and, and recognized from PLM World. So it was way cool on, on how the, we're able to, to do that and, and utilize their services, too. Well, sometimes at conferences, people say, oh, I don't like to go to the trade show because there's a bunch of salespeople there. They might try to sell to me. And my answer to that is, is that when you're networking within your industry, the, the partners who sell into your industry are some of the best people that you should be building real friendships with because, yeah – there are salespeople and they might have a solution they try to sell you, but no is a totally fine answer in the short term. But the reason you want to build actual relationships with these people is they don't just sell to your company. They sell to your competitors. They sell to ancillary people in your industry, which means they have amazing knowledge of what's going on. And when you have a real friendship with people who are the vendors and the partners to an industry, that's where you're going to find the information like you were looking for when you were looking for a solution. But it's also the way people find new jobs or new people to hire because those people, if they do their job well as a salesperson, are very well connected and they go very deep. So I think the smartest people at any trade show spend a lot of time actually trying to build connections, not just with their peers and with the other attendees, but also with the people who are the partners. No, I think I think you're absolutely right, and and that is absolutely critical. When you think of them, these partners are typically very small, but that means that they're very agile too. And so, one of the things that that, that we have found very valuable is that not only are they willing to share some of these capabilities that they've introduced at other companies, but they're willing to listen to what your business needs are, and if it makes sense they're willing to put that as part of their core code in their software so that you can utilize it and it meets your business needs. And to me, that's a win-win-win situation um, and really exciting. So I think what we're saying is even outside of the PLM world world, anybody who's listening, it's really important that you find a way to get involved with, with a user's community or with a trade association or an industry group that supports the people who are in your industry, in your, in your sector. Correct. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. Uh, and, and here again, and, you know, to even reach out outside, if you find some like users, I mean, we're obviously in the aerospace and defense industry, but that cross-industry collaboration networking is critical. I mean, we, we communicate with the automotive groups and companies in a lot of situations. Um, again, those, those, those communities of practice are really real and vibrant. And if they are, then, again, that's going to only help you as an individual and as a company. So, John, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So before we leave, I always like to ask people, what's the coolest thing you're doing in your job right now? Oh, we're doing some way cool things with, with physics-based virtual simulations. So what does that mean? Uh, we're able to really predict how our rocket motors are going to respond even before they fly, even before we do a static test. You know, one of the challenges that we have is to reduce cost, uh, but yet maintain our, our excellent quality. You know, when, you, when you're working with rocket motors and getting people up into space, typically you only have one chance, and that's important for us. But yet, on the other hand, we're, we're being cost-competitive-driven. Um, 
And so we're, we're really doing a lot of just some cool simulations of rocket motors that, that really show us how they're going to behave before we even create the product. And we're working very hard from a scientific uh, methodology standpoint to, to really create those kinds of codes that are going to help uh, us as a business going going and producing rocket motors at half time half cost and and all those fun things and and so those those are some of the exciting things that we get to uh, participate in right now and i imagine if you were to get in a time machine and go back 30 years and and whisper to young you know new engineer john that that would almost be unbelievable <laughs> that is true <laughs> that is absolutely true so, John, I think that people with a great entrepreneurial spirit, I think in addition to doing cool things, I think they're also great observers. So I love to ask the guests on this show, who is it who's an entrepreneur who's doing something cool that you admire? Wow. Um, you know, I, I think of so many folks. Um, yeah, Elon Musk uh, one is one that comes to my mind. And, and you know, obviously – He's in direct competition to us from a SpaceX uh, perspective. Um, you know, I think about uh, Bill Gates and Walt Disney, and and I, you know, I've got a couple of entrepreneurs in my own group that I feel like day in and day out they're creating something new. They aren't satisfied with where they're at today. Um, so. You know, I've I've got several uh, I I think that I admire whether it's inside the company or or outside the company, and you know, I think the the best thing is is that these folks help me to drive to a a, a new tomorrow. You know, again, I I don't want to be complacent. I I don't want to to just be the same person I am today. And and these person ins- these people inspire me to be um, somebody that, that I'm not today. Um, and to me, I, I thank them for that, for inspiring me to, to go above and beyond where I'm at today. So two or three times during our chat, you've mentioned about not being satisfied. And it, it makes me chuckle because anybody who has a 14-year-old daughter, as I do, very well might know that the teenagers are obsessed with the soundtrack to the Broadway musical Hamilton. And one of the themes is, is that Alexander Hamilton was never satisfied that he always had to go out and do more and create more and have something. And he was constantly, just constantly on the go. And ever since, you know, this has been being blasted around our house for the last few months, I've noticed a theme as I interview people that great people who are doing wonderful things and who are changing the world, they're not satisfied. I think you can't be satisfied. Again, things are changing in the world around us. Um, parts and, and products are being they're they're much more complex, and if we're satisfied where we are today, that's a sign that, that things aren't going to go well uh, in the future. Because you know, again, people need to be adaptable. People need to to create uh, some of that new and the different uh, throughout their career and and uh, throughout their lifetime. And I'm excited to be part of that. I mean, you know, when you think of it, and you know, we could go on and on with many stories, but. There's just cool things that have occurred even within the rocket motor industry from the day that I started to today, and and I'm just excited to be part of it. Well, John Jarrett, thank you so much for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. 
Thank you, Tom. So if people are listening and they, they want to find out more about you or about your company or they want to find out about PLM World, where are some of the places they can go? So obviously on the web, www.orbitalatk.com or for PLM World, www.plmworld.org. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to seeing you in just three weeks at the 2016 PLM World Conference. And Likewise. I'm looking, Likewise, forward, I'm looking forward to that. If anybody gets a chance to listen to this who is going to be attending PLM World, please come up and find me or please come and find John Jarrett and say, hey, I listened to your episode on cool things. So thank you again, everybody, for tuning in and listening. We're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as John Jarrett. But in the meantime, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.